Howdy doody. Ladies and gents, welcome to a new year and the third episode of Book Record Beer. In an episode meant to, in part, honor those who passed in 2016, Daniel, Nick, and I have chosen Joyce's story, The Dead, from his collection, Dubliners, as well as the December's haunting album, The Crane Wife. We'll be drinking Cigar City's Warmer Winter, Winter Warmer, and performing our version of the Shankill Butchers. It gets, I'll say, uh, morbidly romantic. Well, that's all I wrote. So, cheers to a new year, to literature, music, beer, and all else that gives life meaning. Take two on our third episode of Book Record Beer. In uh, true 2016 fashion, uh, our first recording fucked right off. And uh, this is now this is now the second go. This is why we're in such great spirits. All right, because we've, because we've had some spirits. We've had some spirits. Uh, the... Uh, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. We, we drink the Rolling Rocks in honor of uh, Grandpa Mahalik, who, who passed away this year. number of people have, and we are doing some pretty apropos uh, work this week, which is our book is James Joyce's the story, The Dead, from his collection, Dubliners. We're doing From the Crane Wife by the Decemberists. Our song that we'll be covering is also uh, The Shankill Butchers. <laughs> and, uh, and we will be looking Grandpa at Simpsons. They don't seem as, they don't seem as frightening. We, we were going to be looking at. Uh, it was like it was meant to be ominous, but it wasn't. Again, a few ponies, uh, a few nips in, and uh, we are going to be drinking Cigar City's Warmer Winter Winter Warmer, which we haven't touched yet because. Right. I wouldn't be making sense right now if I, if <laughs> right. we had drank that. At like, a 14% yeah, ABV. At, we don't even know the ABV. It's just, it's a barley wine and it's got six different, it's it's up there. Like I asked Jared who gave it to me and he said, uh, he said at least like 14%. Sweet yeah. God. That's we, what he gave me. We can look that up. Serious stuff. Well, it's, it, it's, two, it's a barley wine and, a, and an English ale like wine type thing. Oh, as well. Both? Which is why West it's apropos Britain for Dubliners, yes. I feel like. Um, yes. So we have a number of connections. But in any case, and uh, and to keep it uh, with the tradition of introducing the dudes by referencing other dudes and or ladies, we'll have some ladies on the pa- on the cast soon as well. If I were, you know, like expecting to meet uh, Franco, I, I would I would be expecting Encino Man Brendan Fraser, uh, and then once we got to talking, I'd quickly realize I'm talking to with honors Brendan Fraser. Uh, that's how I'd introduce him. It's still funny. It's, yeah, it really is. Uh, highly insulting. This is uh, this is this is my intro- introduction for Nick Gregorio for uh, this podcast. Like you're expecting to meet Bluto from Popeye, uh, but you've actually met Wimpy. Uh, I'll pay you. To, I'll pay you Tuesday for for a hamburger today. I will, and then lastly, uh, if I were to introduce W.C. Fields as Wimpy. <laughs> wow! Imagine if he's the inspiration. I wonder what came first. Wikipedia. And, yeah. If I were to, if I were to, to, uh, to of course, be making a similar comparison for Daniel, I'd say uh, it'd be like expecting to meet Paul Giamatti in Sideways, and then uh, realizing that you've met Paul Giamatti in real life. And so we. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. <laughs> we move forward. I said. I said earlier. Years was the best. I think. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that. They're always <laughs> not on purpose. I was just like, uh, you know. Well, I've got one for you, sir. Oh yeah. In the in the in the interim, I, I've that, made yeah. one up. 
Nice. Uh, so if you if you were to meet Nicholas Mahalik for the first time, uh, it'd be like going into a used bookstore and expecting uh, you know quiet and cats, but instead there is a a, a, a gently purring shirtless Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. I, I I too will take that uh, as a compliment. I, the Bluto thing I I don't take as a compliment. But we can. Continue. Your beard is so dark. It is a huge dark beard. It's true. I mean that's that's really what made me think of it. Uh, to be honest, it was mostly I just wanted to say it'd be like, like I know Bluto, I put on weight. An, I know but you're it's not Christmas. an asshole like Bluto. I think that's my whole point. Right. Like, to be um, to be to be fair, I think it's it's partly because every time you go up to the kitchen, you steal his olive oil. Let that hang out there for a little while. Extra virgin. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> take two's really turning out all right. <laughs> take two's off and rolling. Uh, so I, I'm going to move us. I'm going to move Let's forward. Kick it off. Yeah. The dead. I will. James Here Joyce. The dead. James Joyce. This is the last story in Dubliners. Um, he ends it. Uh, he ends it this way on purpose. And so just to give us some some framework of, of the time period, uh, again, as we found out and know, 1905 was when it uh, started writing and wasn't published until 1915, correct? Yeah, right. Yes. Joyce, yeah. Joyce tried to have it published in 1905. So he's probably, right, right. I don't know when he began you know, this collection, but... He had for, a hard time getting his stuff published for nine years. Evidently, it was uh, there were some some legal issues in terms of getting it published. So finally published in nineteen fourteen. Um, yeah, so. excellent, uh, Frank. Yeah, uh, you studied with a Joyce scholar, um, and I know you give us probably some 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 background of at least you know what was going on while he's writing this. I think you know that that has a big impact on on the characters and, and the story itself. Right, yeah, and you know, it's been it's been a lot of years. It was it's really nice actually to be, um, you know, given this as something to go back and revisit because um, it's it, uh, this was something back in my undergraduate days I I encountered as part of an Irish lit class that I took at Temple um, and had a really great uh, Joyce scholar, a guy by the name of Sheldon Brivik, um, who uh, who kind of led us through a number of of different texts, and Joyce being one of them. Actually, not not Dubliners, but um, Portrait of the Artist, but. Um, so I picked up Dubliners on my own and had read some of the stories and actually the dead was not one of them. So this was actually my first time around, um, reading the story in particular, but you know, so, you know, some things to, to consider, um, I guess would be the fact that the, the story is situated, um, during period of, of the Irish revival. Um, you know, we've got uh, a lot of issues going on politically in terms of Irish home rule and, um, a real split. Um, between Irish nationalists and Irish conservative uh, movements. Um, during the time leading up to this, beginning in the mid-1800s, you know, from 1845 to 1852, you had the Great Famine. Um, and then you have the Catholic Church being kind of at odds with the political leadership in Ireland. Um, you have things like Parnell, who was a really cherished leader for the Irish um, nationalists who they thought was going to be the champion for home rule, who then got embroiled in a divorce scandal and was kind of disavowed by the Catholic Church. And, and, and we know, you know, from scholarship to Joyce uh, and, and from some of the things he wrote specifically in Portrait of the Artist, um, that he uh, really struggled with uh, uh, Parnell losing power, um, that his family in particular were very big supporters of, of him. 
you have the uh, the, the church um, enacting legislation that does things like disenfranchise women, particularly in the church itself. Um, in nineteen November of nineteen o three, um, there's a uh, a papal injunction against women singing in churches, and that makes its way into this story. The famine really makes its way into the story in in, in little ways. Um, you know, uh, when Aunt Kate, I think it is, at one point in the story, uh, talks about how, um, you know, hunger <laughs> causes ill temper. And it's kind of men yeah. as a, a kind of like side. It's, it, it reads as a side comment on, oh, when we're, we're, we're hungry, we all get a little hangry. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but clearly there are deeper implications. And, and the two older women in this, this uh, story, given the timelining of it, if we're, we're considering that it was probably set contemporarily in the early 1900s would have seen and understood the, the ramifications of, of that famine. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of landed on the, the famine there um, and its import. And, and, you know, that idea of, frankly, uh, the meal, right? That's cer- mm-hmm. not a ceremonial, but like yeah. a, a uh, you know, communal meal uh, is the, the center of the dead, right? We, we yeah. have uh, a, a Christmas feast, essentially, which is uh, the center of it. And um, essentially, for those of us uh, listening who haven't read it or aren't as familiar, what we have is a young man who has come to a family home where he is sort of like the patriarch, the head of the household. He's tasked with cutting the bird. He's tasked with making the ceremonial speech at the end of the meal. Uh, he seems to be the most learned out of out of everyone as far as like formal education is, is concerned. And essentially it just revolves around, uh, you know, this, this feast, the whole event itself, and then, uh, you know, the relationship between uh, he and his wife. Um, but, you know, as Franco points out, there are all these other, you know, inherently Irish uh, implications and, and that are, that are sort of manifest in the characters themselves. Um, and so, so that's certainly uh, worth mentioning. I'll be frank. I was never a huge fan of stream of consciousness myself. And I know it's always attributed to Joyce and Wolf. Uh, when I love Virginia Wolf though. So, Right. See, I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest yeah. fan. I had um, uh, a friend in in Miriam who was like, "You must." Uh, who was mm-hmm. uh, both Franco and I's uh, student teacher uh, at one point, and she was like, "You must read to the lighthouse." Mm. And um, I agree. Yeah, you know, and and <laughs> yeah, it is really it is really good. Yeah. But I think now that I'm older, I'm uh, able to get into it yep. much much more easily. And I would say that uh, the dead. Uh, and Dubliners kind of as a whole, but the dead specifically is is a way more accessible uh, sort of story for that type of writing. I think he punctuates uh, the story with moments of stream of consciousness yeah. rather than it being yeah. a uh, sprawling sort of like event uh, or or a bit of prose. Well, I think that's what a lot of people would stay away from Joyce because of is, yeah. is the fact that his texts are often uh, inaccessible, even to people who went to school to read and write <laughs> you know like I, mean? I was an english education major exactly. in undergrad and and and, it, and, and joyce me away a yeah, bit. joyce yeah. to me is still scary it still is but this is extremely accessible in terms of the prose but probably not in terms of the places the politicians um the references of the text irishness yeah so yeah. that's where yeah and yeah. that's and that's sort of where you know its depth lies um, obviously like, uh, with any text, you know, once you start understanding those types of thing, you know, um, 
obviously we're not new critics here, so we're not taking that approach. <laughs> right. But like, but those things do have worth. I would I would say that, um, and that lens, not that it doesn't have worth, but for this particular text, I don't think it's what we're going to be talking about. So when we're looking at it, uh, I mean, frankly, you know, one of the things that I first noted uh, in reading it, and I don't know if any of you guys would agree, but um, you know, I, I think of. Uh, I read somewhere that, that uh, David Foster Wallace tried to really uh, encapsulate all those thoughts that we have in seconds, right, throughout our day, right? In, in a couple minutes, you'll have thousands of thoughts. And he tried to put them all down in his writing. Whereas here, it seems like Joyce synthesizes all those thoughts into like a collective feeling. And you'll get that in a moment of dialogue or in action. Uh, and I find that to be sort of, for me, that was that was the the real... Highlight of 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 the text and of the read yep. uh, for me. So, moving forward, just to to talk about it, there's there, we we've uh, kind of identified some some major things that that exist. Um, one of them being the fact that our main character here in Gabriel, he is of course in a lot of ways this this archetypal man like this symbol of, of masculinity but it's very superficial uh and then and then once you you start looking at the interactions and stuff like that it becomes very very clear that he is unsure of what he actually feels and thinks and then unsure uh, might be even a weak word right like i think he doesn't know at all right. <laughs> what he's doing yeah yeah it's it's interesting he only i would say that he only like states something really strongly uh once and it, and it's when he he freaks out uh when it, when he's when he's told that uh he's writing for a rag essentially right. in the daily express which uh he's he's in, uh, apparently meant to be an insult by being called uh, a, a west britain and so we have some um people in his in his family that are you know really kind of trying to tell him that we think that you are not as Irish, or you're not yeah. valuing your Irishness uh, nearly as much. Well, like his political leanings aren't, yeah, uh, maybe where they should be. Right. And you know, he says, you know, they're just just book reviews. He, he gets more joy out of getting the books instead of the money. Yes. Um, yeah, he makes and then he, he what's the the line he he says to them? Uh, anyway, something about you know, should literature? He doesn't believe literature should be political. I guess we can see some correlations between uh, the story hundred years ago and. And today, yeah, right. Like you're aligning <laughs> yeah. yourself with, <laughs> with this other faction. Yep. Yeah. But you're like, well, I don't really believe that stuff. I just, I just yeah. want to. I just, just, just want to take... get the free books, dude. Yeah. 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 So let me get. <laughs> so one... <laughs> Can you? <laughs> it's a hell of like a, of like a like a rally know. cry. <laughs> just... I don't know if there's some like to really like <clears throat> big Trump guys. Like, I want the free books, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm here he for. Promised yeah. us books. <laughs> No, that's kind of the opposite. None of, yeah, none, none, of them, none of them have read books. It's the most unintelligent, uh, the least educated cabinet in history. Right. Correct. Well, I mean, you're, you're painting with a broad brush, but yeah, no, I, I no, would no, the cabinet itself actually technically <laughs> is. is right. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's true. Yeah, you did say cabinet. I'm sorry. Anyway. I thought you were. I, were, I thought you were going to remark on supporters, and I would say that that would be painting with a broad brush. But the no, cabinet, no, no, yes, no, the cabinet is technically technically the most uneducated. So yeah. Anyway, so fuck them. What does Joyce have to say about that? <laughs> no, I mean, here's the here's the thing. Uh, and when we're when we're looking at it, 
it's all framed in a party which involves mm-hmm. drinking right and and the how that you know uh is is sort of handled i think is also really important like there's the guy who is the drunk who they're looking out for right the 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 um uh, females in the family are looking out for this this guy they're Freddie Malins. yeah they're worried about Freddie and 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 what he might do or say and um he doesn't really do or say much of anything. No. Yet he's still disparaged throughout the entire thing. Yeah. I'm not sure that he actually ever crosses a line. To- Is Freddie the guy that makes the talks about the the black singer? Yeah. He's yeah. the guy. And but he also like he also goes like, what? Because he's black. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. And so I don't even know that he says anything bad at all. It, no. It's it's almost um, you know, it's it's un his presence is is unseemly, is kind of yeah. the idea. And I think it's interesting. What a bland word. You know, now we're hyper aware of that. that. <laughs> um, the the sense Joyce doing that maybe a question a question to to consider might be, uh, or I think maybe a question he's asking us to consider is, you know, what does that say about all of the identity or image work that all of these people are doing as part of their interactions in this social space, right? Like what images are they putting up of themselves? Um, how does that reckon with what comes through in Joyce's narration of the party and through, through their inter- and, and through the interactions that he creates? What comes through about their characters that maybe gets beyond that? Um, and how does he do a lot of identity work with these people and helping us to understand who these characters are? You know, we get Absolutely, a lot yeah. with Gabriel um, because we are, as as, as in, in, in the limited narrative, you know, mm-hmm. um, point of view, we get a lot of internal stuff on him. Yeah, we don't get internal stuff on everyone else. Or, but but yet, you know, there's I don't know. I, f- I feel like probably there are a lot of character, a number of characters in this story that we could probably identify knowing something about their public versus their private selves that comes through in the way he creates these characters, you know, from the two older aunts to uh, Mary Jane, you know, to someone like Freddie um, and, yeah. and Greta. Well, know? really it's like, what, what filters are they putting on themselves? Right. So yeah. like, you know, uh, with, with uh, this notion of Irishness, you know, uh, there are these stereotypes that show up and, and Freddie seems to be just embodying that. Right. Um, and they're trying to filter him out in a way of, uh, because that is present, you know, like what yeah. it means to be, uh, Irish and, and Irish, uh, nationalists and, and different things like this. And, and, um, it's, it's, I feel like because it's on the front of all their minds, when we're, when we're looking at how these characters are interacting and, and how he's, uh, coloring them, um, it's interesting, which choose to interact with, which others, you know, like we have one, um, and her name escapes me, but the, the character who basically comes at Gabriel's neck, uh, is always trying to say, yeah. And and she's always trying to present it as a joke. I was just joking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You write for that rag. I have a real problem with you. Um, and he pisses him off to the point where he loses his cool. The only time in the entire book pieces. And and there's a line that said, had she really had any life of her own beside all her propagandism, yeah you know what i mean um it's gabriel in and of himself wondering if there's anything behind the facade she's putting out and she leaves 
Yes, she's the first one to leave. She leaves before his speech. Yeah. She leaves before the dinner. She's she's just there, almost superficially, as a foil for him. Yeah. You know, and 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 that's 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 essentially that's essentially her role is yeah. is just to poke him and then run away. Um, yeah, Cre- Joyce it just occurred to me. This is something we didn't talk about before. <laughs> it seems like he uses yes. um, some female characters as kind of touchstones for that, right? Like right at the beginning, mm-hmm. Lily, mm-hmm. right gets us yeah. to understand something about Gabriel in the way that he is thinking about the interactions with her, right? I Miss Ivers, you really have that in his as head, well. Yeah. Um even Aunt Julia singing, you get something there. Um interactions with Mary Jane and there might be one in, in particular that might be pointed to, I'm not sure. Then then Greta, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and each of these becomes part of his unraveling, you know, of this patriarchal kind of image that he's portraying. And I would argue they get unraveling that goes mm-hmm. on. They yeah. get closer to him as the story goes along yeah. as well. So because you end foils. up with Greta. They're true foils in yeah. that sense. Yeah. They're absolutely true yeah. foils. Yeah. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, nicely yeah. done. Yeah, good job, guys. <laughs> yeah. We're riffing we, we're all on just, each other here. Yeah. Franco yeah. just took my job. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Well, your your job was who gave you the you were the one that's like the smart guy. I'm a good synthesizer. <laughs> was, I'm, I'm good at listening. No, to no, no now it's like, hey, Nick, it's hand over all of the social media passwords. <laughs> I'll be in this dungeon. Just yeah, uh, no, I, I I really do think yeah, the role the role of women is is huge because not only are they foils, but also they are the ones who are hosting this whole thing. Yeah. So with that, mm-hmm. you have to kind of also, you know, take into account that the entire speech is dedicated to them. Uh, they're they're hosting this whole thing, but it's all in service to Gabriel, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's um, there's a kind of frenzy when he can't be found for the carving yeah. of go- goose, right? and that, yeah. before he even shows up, they're yeah. late, and he Where doesn't show up till Gabriel? fucking ten o'clock after well after <laughs> oh ten o'clock, yeah. <laughs> long after what ten o'clock. Kind of fucking party, yeah. yeah. No, it's an awesome party. Yeah, and that really feeds into the whole no. then, angel game. Listen, we were, thing my wife and I were supposed to go to a party like, last night that we went. We fell asleep at seven, and the invite called for nine. Yeah, oh, that's too late. Did you yeah. not attend? Oh no, we did not. But. You were you were saying that the name obviously Joyce picks purposefully uh, the Andrew Gabriel right? right and um and and that certainly feeds into it because um like we said he's a messenger right so in thinking <laughs> about why Joyce names him what he names him right you yeah. know if you have some background in in, in scripture in, in Judeo Christian scripture um, really the New Testament um. Gabriel is the angel who, who is the messenger of God. Um, the name literally means man of God, and he is the person who delivers the, the message to uh, Mary that she will be the virgin mother of Christ, and, and you know that, uh, that that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Um, no, and then he's no, never seen again. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then he gets to go back up to the, you know, heaven, um, to the firmament. Um, so, Paradise. And, and, I'm, and, and, and later. Um, <laughs> And, you know, so we, the question might be, the question then is, what, what message is Gabriel, you know, bringing to this party, if anything? Um, and yeah. I think that what made me think of that is talking about him being, you know, this kind of like founder of the feast, being placed in that role. And part, partly as part of who he is in the family, he is the, the male, the, the oldest male, it seems, in the family. So it yeah. would fall to him. Mm-hmm. Um and this has been so for years. I mean, he pre- prepping this speech is, is of such great importance to him. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know the message that he brings is, 
Is it? Yeah. yeah um, the, the message that he brings is, is essentially hospitality. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and holding on to, uh, you know, he, he says this is something that, and he mocks it. And that's the thing. He's, he's always, uh, my, like when I was reading, I felt like he was he was Woody Allen in his own head, where he's where he's like, <laughs> speech was, it was terrible. I just I, yeah. I'm in I'm in my head about it. I can't I can't I can't yeah. break those, out. I'm, those I, are terrible, Woody. I've never seen I've written this thing. I just can't get past. You call those bagels? Uh, but it's <laughs> like Rocky Balboa, is like dude. Allen. I did such a good one the first time too. Fuck. But in any case. Uh, we that's can still cuss that one yeah. out. Yeah, we can certainly do it. Stay tuned because the Italian American <laughs> accent will be, used, will be used as an indicator of intellectual sloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give us a moment. Um, he, he, uh, oh, what, he, what, is, what does Gabriel do though? I'm Italian American. He always, uh, yeah, same. Yeah, when, <laughs> at Moral. Yeah. Sorry. When he uh, is like affronted by a woman or someone uh, points to his flaws, he kind of gets mad at a woman or, or blames them. Yeah. Well, she, right. she essentially, yeah, calls him out on writing for that rag of yeah. uh, the daily express and stuff. And, and, and she's like, you, you, you should visit other parts of our country. Uh, in, mm. I, I think bolster your language. The Irish yeah. language, uh, is what she goes at him for. And, and, and he goes and loses it. And, and essentially is like, um, you know, I, 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 I'm so upset by, I, I'm, 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 you know, uh, I'm done with this, this country, you he know, can't, he can't handle women saying things to him. The only people that really say mm, things to him, yeah. they get him a, that's true. Right? Yeah. Like Lily. And when they say you're late, he's like, Oh, I, he blames it on Greta. Yeah. And then it's true. Miss Ivor, she says stuff and he's like, he can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And it could have been because he was forcing Greta to put on galoshes. Yeah. You know, uh, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean his, his message, you know, when we're, when we're looking at it really is hospitality. Uh, and, and that's what, that's what he's arguing. He says, uh, something along the lines of, um, we have our humor, we have our hospitality, uh, and these are, these are the things that we know, uh, and we have, uh, you know, our humanity and all these things come together and that that's something we should hold on to. And he makes a, 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 a special note to, to say that perhaps the youth aren't going to be valuing these things nearly as much. And, and, you know, he's, he's seen as, and he knows he's, he's self-aware that he is this educated person that people are looking to, to make this speech. I think in, in, in part, that's why he, he takes it so seriously. And he, he does, uh, because whether it's real or imagined, it, it is something that is a pressure that that's, that's within him. So, um, as far as what, what is his messages overall as a character, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because one wonders like, is is Joyce saying that these inherently Irish traditions should be valued, should be held in this high esteem, um, and that the youth need to recognize that? Or, you know, is is he mocking it? Because as you know, you read, you see that every all these characters that that we get a good amount of are in some way mildly satirical versions of many of the points that Franco brought up are were were present. You know, these 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 uh, cultural sort of uh, elements of the time. I don't think it's incorrect to say both. I think okay. that he's trying to to maintain the traditions of the Ireland that he was hoping could be at the time that he wrote the story. But I think he's certainly um, sending barbs at all these characters. By yeah. I mean, Gabriel himself can't get a thought straight at all, and he's supposed to be the educated guy, right? Uh, That's true. Yeah, you know, he he's so caught up in his own thoughts that you know he he gives a speech and then immediately punishes himself, you know, for yeah. doing it the way he did it. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's unfair to say that that both of those uh, goals were what uh, Joyce was aiming for. Yeah. To consider both sides. Yeah. yeah. For for sure. Something else you you talked about or that was talked about that got me thinking about this is to some extent I wonder how Gabriel for Joyce as a character is become symbolic of a kind of Irish sense of self at during the period because there's a lot of like we talked about the foils right like these these women who act as touchstones across this who who help him to under to come to terms with some things in his own character that he really can't make sense of and then he sees himself in the mirror at the um mm-hmm. you know at the hotel yeah he doesn't like it he says <laughs> um he caught sight of himself in full length, his broad, well-filled shirt front, the face whose expression always puzzled him when he saw it in the mirror, right? And yeah. Like, um, I think that there's something, if we think about him as, as Ireland, right? I wonder to what extent Joyce felt like the nation, if it were to look itself in the mirror. Couldn't understand would be identity. Would be puzzled. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like, what, what is it, you know? Um, and Absolutely. Maybe it needed a taste from Greta, you know, maybe yeah. it needed that reminiscence of a pure, um, intimate time, you know, yeah. with uh, a lover who has died, right? right? That old Ireland, that song, that boy, you know, that, that whole yeah. image of Michael for him to, for us to have a real crisis of conscience if we're Ireland, right? If, if we are the character of, um, of, uh, Gabriel in that sense. Like a Absolutely. Rem- yeah. Remembrance of something that was better before. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, <clears throat> what you've come away from or where you could be again or well, I mean, I don't know. even if you don't have to face yourself when you're talking to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't you don't have to look at yourself as you're saying things that could be false or misrepresentative of you or what you want mm-hmm. to be doing proper like the speech for instance. He he wanted to do this really profound thing, say this really profound speech and then he's beating himself up about not being able to do it and I think because he filtered himself for his yeah, family, yeah. which in if we're taking Franco's you know sort of idea a little yeah. bit further would be his countrymen. Exactly. You know, and, um, uh, yeah. And then you, know, you don't have to look yourself in the eye until you look in the mirror. Yeah. You know, and I think that's well, that's also true. But it comes after this realization that uh, his wife uh, was not this uh, virginal, pure, right. uh, pure uh, uh, you know, sort of. Which I don't think he. I never got the sense that he assumed she was, but that he never thought about it. Yeah, right. He didn't consider he's not, he's not her. He wasn't, about it wasn't that way. there. Yeah. And, and so he finds out that when this young, when she was a teenager, there was a 17 year old kid who, um, they went on walks, they went on walks, they parked, they went on walks <laughs> and they, they, that he cared for her so much that even when he was, cause he's fragile, right? Uh, yeah. delicate. delicate. Yeah. Delicate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he's very sick, uh, he gets out of bed, She's not allowed to see him. He's so sick. She gets out, He gets out of bed because she wrote him a letter saying mm-hmm. that I'm going to be leaving for Dublin. Yeah. He gets out of bed, goes to her house, you know, throws the pebbles at the thing, and he's standing out there in the cold, uh, going to catch his death. And then he does die. Essentially, you know, probably pushes himself over the edge to be able to be with her. She hears this old traditional Irish song, reminds her of him, uh, and 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 so while he's. Gabriel filled with lust for his wife. She's thinking of this young boy from years past. And it's interesting because, you know, you talk about holding on to the past and the past having having worth and stuff like that. Um, and if if Gabriel is meant to be, you know, 
Ireland, uh, he has to be reminded that these, uh, you know, sort of very pure ideas, let's say, or, or these these the, these parts of our culture uh, exist. And and when you look at yourself now, are you reminiscent of that purity? Yeah. Or do you do you are is any of that in you anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that that was you know, and to to go even a step further, he's can't handle when she tells him that. Right. I right. thought she was pretty badass. I thought she was pretty strong by saying, mm-hmm. you know, I know because because that's the thing. It's real easy to to keep things copacetic and 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 not say uncomfortable things with our significant others and right. when we're in a relationship and and we just we we kind of carry on. But getting over that uncomfortable hump makes the relationship that much stronger and that much deeper. Do you think they're they're better off? And I think they're better off if he is strong enough to handle it. Hey, I don't think he and is. And if he's not well, petty. That's what I was going to say. That epiphany yeah. that he has is... Because that's mean, where we're left. It's a question yeah. about Ireland. Yeah. That's where we're left, yeah. yeah. You know, like, I, you know, something... Will we be stronger? Will Ireland be? What will Gabriel be? Will, will recognizing this, perhaps, this... Will recognizing this, this uh, you know, f- uh, flaw or yeah. fault... Will it actually make us stronger yeah. or are we going to be petty and weak? Yeah. You know, you know, as a character, I feel like something I wrote in the margin is that, um, and this is, uh, this is close to that mirror section when he talks about, um, after he's having this conversation with Greta, um, he says, uh, you know, it, or, or Joyce writes about Gabriel. He felt humiliated by the failure of his irony and by his, uh, by the evocation of, of this figure from the dead, a boy from the gas works. Um, uh, he said he saw himself as a ludicrous figure acting as a penny boy for his aunts, a, serv- a nervous, well-meaning sentimentalist, orating the vulgarians and idealizing his own clownish lusts, the pitiable, fatuous fellow he had caught a glimpse of in the mirror. Um, you know, and to me, like that, that captures that, that what is a fundamental part of Gabriel and, and what Choice may be trying to show us here is that um, he really continuously shows that he exhibits a failure of personality. He kind of can't really come to terms with who he is. And if we're having that conversation about national identity and Gabriel as Ireland, um, you know, part of the, the reckoning that he has in that mirror and in relationship to these women is that um, we know that he loves himself, but he's, he both loves and is disgusted by himself. Yeah. And I wonder the extent to which Joyce is trying to show us about, you know, um, a nation, a, a larger nation that, um, you know, Joyce has to be, I feel like, based on what we also know about him and based on his writing, a deep love for Ireland. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't invest so much of him himself in writing about these people, about this place. Um, but there's trying also to preserve a sense, the language, and there's also a sense that he's disgusted by, like, you know, yeah. a sense of what's going on. The division, there. frankly, you I know. feel like that's every everybody's yeah. divided in some way. Yeah. So yeah, I like I like where this went, you know, in a sense of thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that brings us to like, how would we teach it? How will we put it in the classroom? We're, we're no. uh, you know, the four of us educators here. And um, for me, you know, I, I would really see this as a great way to, um, to uh, teach drama and to dramatize it in a, a one act play because we have a central event of the dinner. And, uh, and, and what we can do because there is so much historical context that needs to be sort of like given and, 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 and gained before moving forward. Um, you know, I would, I would do, uh, and set up a, a project wherein the students would have to 
first do some real uh, research uh, as to the time period when it was written and what these different things, uh, what significance they might hold, like the Daily Express, like the galoshes, like the waltz. Right, all these things that are that are inherent to uh, the scene, um, have them do some some research into that, um, and then uh, you know also to look at how one develops character because we have these characters that are really uh, strongly developed through through dialogue, uh, through action. You have to do that uh, when we're talking about drama, and so I feel like he really combines in a lot of ways some minimalist ideas. Um, you know, before that's a thing, and <laughs> I, and also uh, with the stream of consciousness, and 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 I noted it um, in this part near the end, uh, in that in that next morning after the party, um, where all of a sudden we get uh, you know the pronoun uh, she, and we don't know who it is. We're just dropped in, and then it's a whole you know like half page uh, or more of stream of consciousness. So that idea of burnt tongue, which is essentially uh, writing something wrong or oddly or in a jarring way, so that the reader has to stop and go, "What the fuck was that?" Yep. And they really have to consider then what comes next and what this is actually saying. Indicate it's an indicator that something has changed, and wake up, pay attention. Absolutely, and and the way Joyce uh, seems to do it here is that when that indicator shows up, then we're introduced to stream. Of consciousness and it's it's just like expertly sort of uh woven into the prose um and so with that the students i think would do real well to sort of like uh uh, experiment with these with these uh techniques you know um because they aren't used throughout it's not overkill throughout this story i think it works as a really good example um and so that's how i would that's how i would do it i have them do some research i would also um you know explore the one act play and the structure therein and then have them you know construct their own but modernize it right like what would be the galoshes nowadays like what would be the daily express what would the conversations be like what would these characters represent I, that would be that would be my approach you guys have anything you know you would want to add yeah. uh, I, would, I would like to raise a bunch of money and Take kids to Dublin and just go on a pub crawl. Mm, fuck the one act play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they would learn a lot even, in either scenario. I don't even want them to read the story. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get away a way to get a free trip to Ireland yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the school district. <laughs> you can teach me to do this. Yeah, yeah. has <laughs> <laughs> worth. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, a trip. A trip really does have worth. I got something recently about this. Uh, there's actually some nonprofit that that uh, works to to send students and teachers to uh, other countries, and they have yeah. different different things. I think it has. I think it has. I think yeah, it not worth. yeah, not to be on as, a more practical yeah. level. <laughs> I think the one act play would be would be a strong way to go. But yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody has anything else to to add uh, to that. Well, just on the trip thing to bring it a little more. I don't know. <laughs> Teacherly, um, oh, because so you know, if you walk through Dublin, I've I've been there quite a few times. Yeah. There's landmarks mm. all over the place. Yeah, it's little, little plaques on the ground of yeah. this is I where this happened in Ulysses. Um, yeah. You can go to the soap shop where he bought soap in Ulysses. You can go to Lincoln's Inn where Nora worked when he met her. Yeah, um, mm. the Gresham. You could. It's the hotel that the dead ends in. You can still go there. That's nice. you know what you know. You could just do it. I don't want to go on like a an aside, but going to those places about play of you know the books that I've read actively reference yeah. and i mean and just like to make it more contemporary like um 
train spotting, being in, in Edinburgh, going to Leith. And doing heroin? Uh, not doing heroin. <laughs> but going to the places and seeing where these characters were supposed to have been if right. they had been real. Yeah. Um, that is like really surreal and wonderful. Uh, okay, I didn't experience. know where you were going there. Yeah. No, it's really seemed surreal. Seemed like you didn't like it. It seemed like you didn't like it. No, Folks, we're getting a facial expression that was very... <laughs> yeah, he was not very, promising. It was a Bluto facial yeah. expression. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a Pluto. <laughs> Turned out to be wimpy, after all. <laughs> anyway, man, listen. You're right. Um, it is surreal. It's surreal, and yeah. it's a wonderful experience that bolsters the work. And because then you have a point of reference, and I think yeah. that, that that's a really important thing. Like Made up shit happened there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's one of those things where uh, you get a, a real sense of it. I actually got... Um, pretty shit on for for making specific references to philadelphia uh you know i mean they were random they well, it's weren't like an, it's not they're not supposed to set something like that it, because it, then it alienates and it becomes uh, you know niche well it has the potential to alienate and right. it does become that yeah like if you're from philly yeah, you read this yeah and and but plenty of st- stories like and novels and great works of literature have you know, like setting is, it's such a cliche, but, you know, setting is one of the characters. Well, that's yeah, kind absolutely. of, that's kind of yeah. the point. Like, you, you know, as only if it's New York city, only if it's New York city. <laughs> well, that's what they say. Or if Paris, if you, London, yeah. every city is, is New York city. If you don't name it. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's like in writing. Sucks. I haven't heard, <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't heard that, oh. but that that's, that does suck. <laughs> Yeah. Because that place is so claustrophobic, better. you know what oh, I mean? God. Like, yeah, it's 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 way different. But in any case, yeah, no, I uh, I I mean, you you've uh, you did that as a student, correct? You tried. Yeah, I went to on this people to people student ambassadors trip, uh, and my trip went to Australia, New Zealand, Tahiti, and Fiji. Um, I don't really know or remember why we were there, but the aha moments, those epiphanies um, that Joyce gets to in the in Dubliners. Those are the big things, like um, sitting around a campfire with the indigenous people in in Tahiti, right? Or or, or doing these ancient ceremonies in Fiji, like those are the things you. That's, that's where that tattoo comes from. Yes, <laughs> this this face. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think a trip is extremely valuable. Of course, as teachers, we have no money and have no way to take students anywhere. Right. So. Oh yeah. Uh, we do have a record this week. This we month. do. Yes, we do. We do. What we're gonna uh, be talking about is, um, I don't know. Would you say that it's their best album, Daniel? Because you chose this. I, this hasn't been noted yet, but Daniel chose not only the story, the record, as well as the song to play from said record, and arranged the piece. This is a very Daniel DeFranco uh, piece. And I will say, in terms of the arrangement of the song, I've never played something like this. So can we name it yet? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I named it in the beginning, I thought. The audience is, oh, yeah, I guess you did. They're do. on the edge of their seat. Yeah. What are they talking about? So we're, we, we picked uh, the Decemberists um, first because of their name, and since we're recording this in December. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it, it sort of fell into place. It's their 10th anniversary of releasing The Crane Wife. So that's the album that we picked, Decemberists, The Crane Wife. Uh, and then the song. He keeps saying we, like I didn't just say that he fucking picked He just did it. He, did, he did all of it. We're all in here to take the credit, together, man. Take it's the, the royal we. <laughs> if it turns out. time you're going to get fucking it. Fucking West Britain imperialists. <laughs> <laughs> if it turns out shitty, I don't want to go down alone. It's <laughs> yeah, a good call. Uh, and then the song, The Shank Hill Butchers, which, which I picked for, for two reasons. One is it ties Murder. in with this Irish uh, idea, which I'll we'll get into in just a second. Um, and also uh, Christmas. Right. So the Shankill Butchers were a, uh, a loyalist gang who killed Catholics. 
They snuck into their homes. Essentially, yeah. They kidnapped them and slit their throats with butcher knives and, and saws. Yeah. Um, Which would the, make said Catholics dead. Yes. Connection. Yeah. Would, <laughs> that certainly would make you die. That's, yes. that's what would happen. They would, they would be dead. Yeah. Okay, so, so the song is the Shankill Butchers, um, which explores this idea of, of nationalism, essentially. Right. Um, and, you know, to what lengths would you go for, go to, to preserve that nationalism or these beliefs that you believe in? So it's sort of all of the, the complete opposite side of Gabriel in the dead. Yes. It's, it's almost pure just action, like right. the most action mm-hmm. you could take. Mm-hmm. It's just Absolutely. killing extremism. Yes. Well, yeah. I love the line where it's they were they were um, sweet little boys. They used to be. They used to be like mm-hmm. everybody else. Like there's a there's like this norm you. set. Just yeah. like they used to be like you. everybody else. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and I, I, that I, that's where uh, that really struck me. Yeah. So that, that's the reason we picked the song. Yeah. I picked the song. Right. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and the other reason that we, we picked the song is that the other ones are you know I, I don't know probably too hard maybe too broad in scope um yeah so so the crane wife the album uh is uh, would i would describe it as progressive rock absolutely progressive folk rock yeah uh, well you'd have to add the folk in there because it's not traditional progressive 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 rock rock. is is certainly different but it's well let's say this uh for the decembers themselves this was different this is a departure for sure sure Mm -hmm. it was their fourth album the first three were pirate rock pirate uh Carney rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was their Zeppelin three, if you will. Yes. Yeah. It was a, it was yes, a, because right, there's, a, there's a very established there's a very established norm that they had as yeah. to what mm-hmm. their music sounded like, what they were doing, uh, and then they departed from it pretty yeah. significantly. But um, you know, in a very Zeppelin three fashion, love, you have tastes of that other stuff. Yeah. But this is really sort of like a, a polished and, and pure new thing i love when bands do this by the way i love it too so many people hate it i I think it is so refreshing when a band just for a time or an album will just throw their previous material out the window and try something completely well they they had to they went from indie labels and then capital picked them up yeah and it's like okay now you've you better do something fucking great Mm -hmm. because your stuff before is awesome people are digging it but now we're putting you in front of a larger audience can you can you perform? Yeah. Most bands, almost all bands, no, they put out the same shit. Right. And it's, you know, like Kings it's of Leon. Fine. They put their thing, and it was it was big, but well, I, wait a minute now, because Kings of Leon put out because of the times, which is arguably their best album. But not that wasn't their their not the Sex big one, on was Fly. It? That wasn't the big one. But that was the one previous to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's so the thing: saying, they changed. Very, here's the thing: uh, that reference is if very similar sex to is like on a fire. You got a problem. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, no, no. What you have is crabs. Uh, crabs are itchy. They don't. Evidently, yeah. not, <laughs> not a problem. I feel like that's 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 on fire. Itchy's on fire. No, but like Modest Mouse is a great example, right? Yeah. They got picked up. They did the Moon in Antarctica. Their mm. next album was good news for people who have bad news, but float on on it. Yeah, right. It was almost like just a more polished, but they never really changed that much. You know, no, and, they didn't make that record that was like, they, "What is this?" And 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 Kings of Leon very similar because the Times is, is arguably their best album. Uh, they have like a nine minute opener with "Knocked Up" and stuff yeah. like that, and then you move into uh, you know uh, "Sex on Fire," which is their "Float yeah. On" essentially, right? The Decembers, I think, are different here because what I we're think, looking at is their first album on the major mm-hmm. is is like the one that came out of left field. Yeah, man. I, it's their Zeppelin. I always say Zeppelin 3 because yeah. so many people hate it. That's my favorite Zeppelin album. Huh. I just. I mean, shirtless Camaro. 
That's, what, that's what's that's just blaring out of your <laughs> speakers. See, but it would be, many would assume a whole lot of love. Yeah. But it's not. Mm. It's Immigrant Song. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which Can is I, the first track. I'm going to read something from Pitchfork when this album came out in 2006. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Here we go. Okay. Uh, fortunately, their fourth album further magnifies and refines their strengths. Winsomely balancing frivolity and gravity, the Decemberists assemble an oddball menagerie of the usual rogues and rascals, soldiers and criminals, lovers and baby butchers. Robbers and cowards. <laughs> but they've got a lot more tricks up their sleeves than previous albums had hinted. Um, and then they go on to you know, pick out the songs. Um, and then Do they continue. blow them? Because Pitchfork blows people sometimes. Uh, no, they definitely blew the Decemberists. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of blowing the Decemberists. They blow along, Glassjaw and the Decemberists pretty often. Hey, Glassjaw rules, man. Along with the homosexual undertones that informed December songs from every album, uh, he jettisons, M- Malloy, the, the singer, <laughs> uh, jettisons most of the archetypes that inspired Picaresque and cuts his characters loose in their own tales. So uh, I like that. There's a sense of freedom mm-hmm. in these characters like yeah. are aren't under his control anymore here's just the story and this is what happens which is sort of you know the dead as well gabriel is cut loose in this party and yeah sort of this this is what happens but he loses at one point yeah Hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um musically i think it is just a fucking killer album it's the um the first time i heard it i was uh courting a young lady who is now my wife and oh, she sent me didn't know oh, that, that worked out going. very well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Buy this album. You'll find a wife. <laughs> she turned out to be a crane that was plucking her her own feathers to so I was a greedy bastard. <laughs> anyway, she she sent me this album is and what it is. She sent me this album and I was like, I'd never heard this type of music before. Um, oh shit, she turned you on yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah. That's it was, a beautiful thing. Yeah. It was mm. like Falky, I was like, okay, I don't know, whatever. But then it started getting real fucking super melodic, so much ear candy. The phrasing yeah. of his voice, uh-huh. numerous songs. Well, just the, the second track in and of itself, I mean, it, it, it's rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you get that first folk tune in, in uh, Crane Wife 3, the mm-hmm. opener, and then you go into this 11-minute sort of opus. Yeah, based on uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest. Yes. You know, it's, I mean, that's, that's just a... Uh, Magnificent, like a, a in its scope. Yep. You know, just to do something like that and try it and actually pull it off. Which, yeah. Which they do. Yeah. Magnificently. That could be our subtitle for this uh, uh, this podcast. In That's which, what we're doing. It's in, a which, in which in which <laughs> in which artists pull it off. Yeah, you fucking did it. Yeah. You pulled it off. Yeah, I go with that. Yeah. Yeah, you pulled it off. Yeah. Well, because you know. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, even with Joyce, right? We're pulling he, it off. He tried to. Yeah, I don't think we're doing it, but he he tried. He tried. We are now. But did he? Did he? Did he? That would be interesting, right? Did he change uh, significantly from from previous writing? Well, yeah, Ulysses was you, Ulysses was his crane wife. Yes. Oh, yep. nice, nice. Yeah. See, as I said, I'm not, I'm not fully, fully versed. But. Then why so, didn't we do Ulysses for this episode? It's ridiculous. It's fucking gigantic. <laughs> yeah. so, it would have been a lot. I've got a, yes, I'm, listen, I'm afraid of that book. So, I've got a fun <clears throat> yeah. thing, and then uh, we can go around. You guys can talk about uh, the Crane Wife uh, musically. I know Nick, you said that it was something like you had never played before. Yeah, never. I know uh, Mahalik. It's this ain't really your your jam, right? No, it's not a go-to by any means. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. This is my go-to. When I think of, mm. like, if I could write the most perfect music, it would be the Crane Wife album or their next album, which I like even more. 
uh, the hazards of love. Mm. Um, which is, whew, that thing is the the whole thing is uh, is is one big story. Yeah. Um, mm. But mm-hmm. uh, maybe for another podcast in a few years, look it up. The Hopefully, hazards of love <laughs> recommendation. There it is. Uh, we can get through this. We can get through anything. Yes. <laughs> I found this really funny article on the toast that was put out a couple of years ago. It was called Songs from a Decemberist Album Where Nobody Gets Murdered. So, <laughs> so if you're familiar with the Decemberist, like the tropes they use, they're always like sea shanties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's always shit going on. Um, fantastical stuff. So I'm not going to read them all, but here's, here's a couple. Uh, what a successful harvest this was. Let's not rape anybody. <laughs> Okay. Uh, this lighthouse isn't haunted. <laughs> the chimney that wasn't stuffed with the bodies of murdered women. <laughs> this one isn't funny, but I just I just like it. Uh, a list of people who have never drowned. <laughs> See, I think that's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone in the everyone in the mine everyone in this mining camp respects one another's boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a, a McSweeney's like top 10 list. It was on the toast. It was like pretty, yeah. it was, yeah, the yeah. same idea. And um, uh, let's, one more. Okay. Uh, let's have a picnic by the river, then not drown each other in it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's easily like another 15 more. Um, That's great. But yeah. I, I feel like that, if you don't know who the December star, knowing what their song titles aren't, right? Like, you know what they're kind of about now yes well i'll <laughs> yes. be honest they came out at a time where there were a number of december-esque bands you know and 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 that was the thing that actually i had a buddy of mine i don't you know for whatever reason find most of the music uh that i listen to myself i have a bunch of friends mm-hmm. who, who are always you know throwing it at me which is awesome you're um, lucky in that way actually because, yeah you know you, you have to seek out music these days if you want to be a right, uh, you know, a fan of music. That like, and that, and that word of mouth doesn't really exist. Like burning somebody something or, or, or making a mixtape and stuff. But for whatever reason, for me, it it, it does. And um, my one buddy gave me Ockerville River, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that they are similar to the Decemberists in a lot of ways. And it's funny because once you suggested this, I started listening to them to them more, and I was like, the 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 difference is actually gigantic, mm-hmm. and and yeah. and when you look back at a lot of those uh, uh, bands, the Semers really do uh, kind of separate themselves. Not to say that there's a hierarchy of sorts, um, but I had uh, ignorantly lumped a number of these bands together and chosen one that I had uh, felt rocked more. Right, and I listened to that one because I'm a shirtless Camaro. <laughs> um but but I mean, how, yeah you know and 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 so that that was my that's my initial reaction yeah. Yeah. Uh, i think where the decemberists succeed where other artists uh you know uh, musicians and storytellers alike fail is that they they are telling stories and people like stories yeah um, yeah uh mm-hmm. the singer colin malloy i think is his name um and his wife they write um uh, science fiction novels no shit. I'm almost certain fantasy. Get the fuck but, out of here. You serious? That's awesome. They took a break. <laughs> they released uh, The King is Dead, and then they took a break for like three years to, Get out of here. to have another baby and, and write books. That's awesome. So, that is, you know what? That's like my dream, man. Isn't it? Just to yeah. make records and books. Yes. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So they're living it. Yeah. Um, so you, 
you're a punk rocker, so for fans that have listened to the last fans, do you, I guess you you don't, have to, you don't have to be a fan to be listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You could, definitely. You, you have could to fucking like, hate us. A fan of, of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> in the room. Right. I guess. Fans of uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Uh, if you have listened to uh, previous podcasts, you would hear Mr. Nick Gregorio's uh, beautiful, beautiful growling. Yes, there um, was a lot of... Which, by the way, sometimes my throat still hurts. Yeah. <clears throat> so that that's more your area of music kind yeah my of more my, thrashy yeah my my punk. life sort of revolves around punk um mainly like socal stuff fast but bright in in tone mm-hmm. but dark lyrically mm-hmm. i would say i guess uh, i started branching out in uh 2000 around this time the album came out uh crane wife came out believe yeah. it or not. so i was actively seeking stuff out and i didn't get wind of uh the decemberist until the king is dead came out in 2010 i picked Just, it up yeah. on a whim um, and I loved it mm-hmm. when I first listened to it. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go get some more Decemberist stuff. And you quickly realize that King is Dead um, is... Not their strongest is, effort. It's their weakest or one of yeah. their weakest. Um, so, you know, th- this is the sort of stuff that, I don't know, is so far out of my wheelhouse that I was like, I couldn't, I don't even know, I didn't even know that this stuff was being yeah. made. Um, but as a player, though, as a musician? As a musician, I, you know... I'm a, I've been in, in punk bands for 16 years, mm-hmm. one of them for all of that 16 years. Um, so playing this track uh, is super uncomfortable for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really love it um, because it makes me slow down. Mm-hmm. It makes me think differently as a musician or as this song proved me to be a guy who plays guitar sometimes yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh no it was a completely weird experience to do this song just because i've never done it and i find, i think it's wonderful and, and they're played in a, that type of way yeah. Before. yeah yeah and it's um it, i don't know you play a song it sort of enhances the listening experience mm-hmm. of the song itself oh, yeah. and then of the album it comes out of mm-hmm. so I'm gonna play fucking brushes on this thing. Are you a brushman? You own brushes. I'm, I own brushes. I'm not a brushman by any means. Is brushman a term? It is now. It How is about now. that? Yeah. No, Coined. <laughs> Coined. <laughs> oh, yeah, Franco, your your experience because you're um, you're playing. Um, you know, we've rehearsed the track a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't have a lot of my my experience with the December's in particular doesn't go very deep. Um, I. I think I've I had the King is or the King is Dead has been in my kind of like iTunes library. I remember listening to it. Did they it make? Did they like give that to everybody? It, everybody knows that that, that was the one that I. That was what the first had, time what I saw it. What was the big single? If you want to call a big single from it, was there anything? That, that yeah, there was, was that one similar? song. I remember what it was, but I can't remember. I yeah. probably heard it. It was on the um, that one was on the radio. That was on mainstream radio. Yeah, so okay. you know, yeah. like yeah, I probably let's see, like that came out in 2010. You said something, yeah, something like that. So it's likely that I was pro- maybe listening to something where it came on and on a lot on a stream like a Spotify type deal, right? And I was right. like, ah, I like I think what these guys are doing. I want to start listening to these guys a little bit. And then, um, I, I guess I kind of never really followed up. Mm-hmm. Um, That's easy so, to do because yeah. off when you listen to those songs on King Is Dead first listen, yeah. having never heard their previous stuff, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and so it wasn't a matter of me being turned off at all um, by by their work. Um, it was just a matter of kind of like circumstance, I guess. Yeah, I think the really nice thing about this this song in particular is that there's no bass 
I'm, you know, on the track. Mm-hmm. Is there? I, I mean, indoor drums. Yeah, indoor drums. I yeah. mean, it's really just there is ac- now acoustic and, and made it fun. I don't know. It is in the background. I guess like there's a, string. Of I feel like movies. there's a. Is it like a mandolin? Sounds like an accordion. Accordion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I can't. I can't. I can't <laughs> synthesize it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't bring it to to mind at the moment. Um, but but certainly no bass. And so I love that kind of a challenge. Um, in in terms of what's going to happen when we all get together and try to interpret this thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, you know, really a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Should we, should we play? You got any final, uh, thoughts? Let's fucking lay it. Let's do it. Do it.
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I'll be honest. Your vokes on that, man. Daniel, big, great stuff. Big fan, dude. Once you put the vibe dial on, anything's <laughs> possible, baby. <laughs> no, I mean, your arrangement was really good. I'm glad we found that uh, Paris, uh, what, Streets of Paris synth whatever, effect yeah. or whatever the fuck that, yeah, that cool. was. That was... The I think that was super helpful. eerie. That was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of my favorite yeah. things. That weird accordion-y yeah. type. I, lo- uh, I love that sound. Yeah. And I love arranging music. It's, I thought you were going to say I like the rain because it makes me think that it's raining huh. when I hear that. That uh, sounds. Not to mention that it is, but like also it makes me think of that. But uh, I'm awesome. Thirsty. I'm thirsty. Awesome. Thirsty from that oh, yeah. performance. Uh, so we are compliments of Jared, our good friend, Brewer, biologist smart guy extraordinaire uh he has donated to the cause the cigar city uh warmer winter winter warmer um and so everyone's aware this is not a joke this this beer (laughs) not that any of our beers have been jokes but like this this beer i didn't realize what i had gotten myself into uh and then he gave it to me and i was like holy shit brewed in 2015 uh Aged in bourbon barrels and bottled in 2016. Um, we're, we're looking at this has been around for a while, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna murder this puppy. This is, um, gonna be but intense. it's a mashed it's a mashup of traditional English style barley wine style ale and old ale winter warmer style ale. So it's these two very potent things combined with six mm. different hops. Sweet yeah. uh, Jesus! So uh, my, a good friend of mine uh, who is. The insurer to the uh, to the independent brewer, uh, uh, my buddy K Rock, who actually shows up in in one of my stories, um, he recommended that we drink these in these goblet type glasses, um, and so uh, make sure that we are you know uh, prepared and ready. I think I think I think you know there's a variety yeah. of goblet style glasses here, but we'll, uh, yeah, we'll there's. Be good. There's three different types. So I'm going to... Which one would Jesus pick? That looks like a carpenter's. This is a carpenter's <laughs> cup. No, no, no. Shows don't, don't forget about Indiana Jones, okay? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't pick one that says Funkin' Sour, though. You've, chose, <laughs> you've chosen poorly. You've chosen poorly. Uh, so I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to hand off and pass. Um, you kept the big goblet for yourself. That's good for you. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's your house. Like a true, like a bartender, uh, Daniel is pouring and passing. I didn't think that I would do it right, so I just didn't do it. There you go. Everybody's got a bit. I have I mean, to go to work, so I'm just going to pour myself just a tiny bit. I don't know. We read of the dead. I looked Stand up the dead, and now we'll drink. Now we drink to the dead. To the dead. And I do want. I I, I want to make a point Ooh, that, that we that we that we cheers. And we we recognize the the numerous people and you know everyone who has passed in 2016. It's been a fucking brutal Ooh, year. Yeah. It's been a fucking brutal year. Uh, an abstract idea, in truth, has also yeah. died. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but no, to 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 be honest, um, this has been a, a unprecedented very, year. Very unprecedented year. Yeah. Yeah. Unprecedented. Oh, unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. 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 Let's see what we got going on here. That's fucking terrible. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, 
I expected it to be wow. way more intense. I think it's I think it's fucking delicious. Okay, so and, you can taste the yeah. bourbon barrel for sure. That that gets you immediately. Yeah. Does that taste like raisins to anybody else? Prune mm-hmm. juice. Right. Why it, are you drinking prune juice? <laughs> when I was a kid, I had diarrhea. I had intestinal issues. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he already talked about his stomach <laughs> issues on the first app. Don't make him revisit that. Uh, this is a safe space. It's a safe space. It does taste a little yeah. pruney. The first thing that hits me, I, whenever whenever there's barrels involved, or even spirals, not spirals so much, but when there's barrels involved, I always get like a raisin-type yeah. uh, flave coming through. Um, it is... It is well, it's very dark, as one would imagine. You have to chew right? this beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel I, I'm a fan. First reactions. Somehow warmer. First reactions, I would say this is this is uh, reminiscent. It has a raisin prune type yeah. uh, flavor off the bat, which isn't that prune pudding hmm. or jam mm. in the dead? <laughs> it all came together. Oh, it shit. all came together. Wow. We did it. We fucking, <laughs> Regular yeah. little Freddie Malins over there. <laughs> Uh, I like it. I would definitely not be able to drink this whole bottle by myself. No, fuck no. Definitely. I mean, just just the um, viscosity of the beer. Just the uh, <laughs> like like Nick said, you have word. to. I mean, yeah. you have to chew it. Yeah, you, you do. Have, it's very um, definitely for sharing. So what's interesting is a lot of mm. the hops that are used as well are not ones that you would find in a traditional like hopped beer, uh, like like an IPA or something like that. Like none of these. Have I ever used when brewing an IPA, or or do you find uh, in in the listings? Like, it's funny because are, is anybody getting any citrus? I just burped and I got whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's a bite at the end, but um, yeah, at the very end, kind of like roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Do one of those guys a little. Mm. People like that. People like listening to that, right? Yeah. The, you making that sound? Sliding about yeah. their mouth. Oh, God. Hmm. After saying viscosity? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even There's like just... to hear people chew. Yeah, Franco, uh, weigh in on this. What do you think? Yeah. Because these are uh, your type of beers, aren't they? It's it's super, like the burb. I think, like, given it's a blend, uh, so you said it's um, stout aged in bur- bourbon barrels. Well, bur- we've got um, English-style barley wine There's an old right? ale winter warmer. Okay, so, so the those ale, are the two that they ma- mashed up. Right. Yeah, I think like it's way the bourbon barrel component where the, the it had to have been in there for a while is, is much kind of overpowers because it's not just up front; like it's, it's throughout the wine ishness of the beer. From my experience, is that the raisins though, or is that the bourbon barrel? I have no idea. No, the raisins probably come from the barley wine. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like okay. the raisins are yeah, the, bar- yeah. okay. the okay. barley wine aspect of it. Okay, I mean, yeah, the smokiness is the bourbon barrel. Correct? Absolutely, the, yeah. yeah. When sweetness is the is note that I like, both. I take pride in being able to like drink large quantities of almost any beer. But these kinds of beers are, are definitely like the gauntlet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gauntlet is thrown, has been and, thrown, and, and not picked up. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, thank you. Yeah. It's like I walk into Eulogy and I look and I see that no beer. On tap is one that I've a either had or b find interesting, and I will yeah. walk out. Although I and do I like used to eulogy. think that that like and the Devil's Den too, like uh, just a few bars in Philly that like really, really, really are serious with that. I will walk in and I'll be like, "Fuck!" When I was younger, I would have definitely tried like four of these and then found my way home. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but now and I then broken down on ninety five. Yeah, 
Yeah. R.I.P. Mike's PT. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different style of drinking. I mean, it's like this yes, is, yeah. this is this is cocktail equivalent. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, which is, is like you know, which I, honestly is the, the responsible and and probably you know. But isn't this shit the fucks me up, Franco? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I could eat, I could literally drink twenty nips. Yep. And not nearely I be mean, as I, fucked up as I think this I just, just did, did to me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm saying like, oh yeah, I don't even have a buzz on, and I and this just <laughs> fucked me. Whoop! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> left, yeah. left. Yeah. I, I think just, all of us have to do is drive in the ice right now. It's fine. <laughs> you're, you're you're home. You're. I'll fine. tell you what. I'm never gonna have this again. Well, you, I like it just fine. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say you gotta clarify. No, I like it just fine. Um, but what, you've already established that you're a Miller Lite, Coors Light. That's where you're. I like to have my regular ass night. Yeah, your regular right, ass beers you know, with your regular ass. Regular ass beer yeah. for a regular <laughs> ass night. Right. And um, this is not that. Um, no. I would gladly accept a glass of this if someone were to offer it. And I'd be like, like at a podcast, <clears throat> like at a podcast, or yeah, but this is a beer aficionado's beer. Yeah. Right. This is the type of beer that once it warms up and you're sitting with it. It starts to taste like soy sauce. Do you think it goes that way? Because actually, so it was recommended. Bourbon, it was recommended. I yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. I was gonna say it would go more a, a, a bourbon route because um, my buddy recommended. He actually said you should drink it cold first, yeah, and then you should let it sit and warm up, and then drink it again. And he's like, it's two different beers. Yeah, one soy sauce. Right, you said that, but I don't think. No, they, they actually, I don't think that's where it, goes. it turns into soy sauce. You can get some sushi. So I get some loam. But I, I think I would like it better then because I yeah. love soy sauce, and I used to travel around the malls with what <laughs> so stealing soy sauce. This is so fucked up. At the Montgomery Mall, there used to be this wonderful Chinese restaurant in the Bourbon food court chicken? called Walk and Roll. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. And I would take a, a, a soy sauce packet, crack it. Put it in my mouth and just suck on That's it. That's gross. Jesus. You're yeah. a gross Can, we, can we start the podcast off with like just a little sound clip of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. I loved it. I love soy sauce. I love it. So if this does taste like soy sauce warm, I'm in 100%. Wow. Yep. I'm sorry. It's a lot of sodium. Do you guys not want yeah, to see Yeah, that's what I again? was thinking. It's, it's just so much sodium. Oh, I love it. Walk and Roll, like... by the way, was around in different malls. They were definitely. No, it wasn't. Oh, uh, franchise? Are you serious? Yeah, I think Deptford yeah. Mall had Oh, I loved Walk and Roll. They had the yeah. best low main, man. I'll tell you. Here's a, a hilarious story to go along with that. I once at my mall, which was the Oxford Valley Mall, found a chunk of metal in my fucking bourbon chicken. No. Chunk oh. of metal. I ate it, I took it out, and I was like, fucking chunk of metal. And I walked up to the dude, I was like, found a chunk of metal in the bourbon chicken. And he goes, okay. So this has happened before, number one. <laughs> he, he responded in a very casual manner. He threw it into like a one of those, don't worry one about those it. metal, um, what's, what's that uh, you fucking pee into when you're in the hospital? Uh, bedpan. Yeah. Oh, bedpan. <laughs> you're like, you're like a piece Cocaine. of shrapnel. Yeah. Like, like it was like a kidney stone or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He comes back out with this card that he had a number of. So, again, the, the yeah. just the casual nature of this interaction is crazy. And he goes, but uh, bourbon chicken. And he gave it to me. Again, we are really fucking, fucking up with the... Uh, fucking <laughs> but he, he gave it to I me. I feel like you went from like some kind of indiscriminate Southeast Asian to like Berlin, Germany. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, you take this. You take this <laughs> gift card for Bob and Chicken. Okay. 
That was pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was free bourbon chicken for a year. What? And I nice. said, thank you. I'll have another. <laughs> and I immediately got another. Sins, sins metal, please. No yeah, metal this that's time. That's literally my only request. If I could, and I, <laughs> who the fuck that? I told that to somebody. Might have my girlfriend at the time, and and they were like, "What? You got more?" And I was like, "I have a year free. I can eat whatever I, I want. I'm going to have it for." <laughs> For a year, day. it was metal, not E. coli. My mouth's a little cut up. I'm not sick. Yeah, <laughs> I have like a cut. And that concludes this episode <laughs> of Book Record Beer. Before we go, I just want to remind everybody to reach out to Book Record Beer on social media. You can reach us on Twitter at Book Record Beer, on Instagram at book.record.beer, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash book record beer podcast. Is that a front slash or a backslash? <laughs> <laughs> Is it only periods on the uh, Instagram. Instagram? Instagram? Yes. Okay. I don't even know our Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I don't follow us. <laughs> I'm, I'll be frank. I made this up and I don't think I follow us. <laughs> but that's only because Instagram's that one. That's the social media that I don't necessarily fuck with at all. Which apparently but I'm going to start right. now. And I can always cut what I'm saying right now also. Sure. All right. Speaking of cutting. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Excellent. Excellent. Had a blast. Oh, shit, you guys. Book Record Beer is now on iTunes. Be sure to give the cast some reviews of what you dig and what you don't. Send some stars like we were Super Mario. And don't forget to subscribe so you can get updates when the new episodes are out. The more stars you send, the quicker we get Cormac McCarthy on this bitch. Cheers, my babies. Postscript. If you want to stay on top of your book record beer reading and listening, our next cast will include Nick Hornby's High Fidelity and Elvis Costello's first album, My Aim is True. See you then, bodies.